And to that uh, piece of shit lieutenant that's always uh, on his podcast, uh, bash us, fuck him. <laughs>Outstanding, bro. This never gets old. Franklin, pleasure to have you, brother. You Thank know you. it. Thank you for having me. Well, let's go right into it. Franklin, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. But tell us where you grew up and why you became a cop. Gentlemen, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, Franklin <laughs> Valdez, I'm currently assigned to Transit District 20. Um, I came on the job in July of 2005. So come July, I'm making 18 years on. And um, born and raised in Queens. Um, now I'm living out here in Nassau, uh, but I'm a Queens kid. I'm, I'm always going to be a Queens kid. Um, and then, uh, I've been assigned to transit my whole career. Uh, I wanted to be a cop since I was like three years old. It's, it's everything I, I always wanted to do. And I'm proud to be uh, a cop. You know, it's, it's a, pr a proud profession. Whether, whatever's going on in the media, I don't care about that. I'm always going to be a proud. I'm always going to be proud to be a cop. Um, cop first. And, um, and b being assigned to transit was, you know, it was amazing. You know, um, I've had a great career. I've been in transit the whole time, the same command, you know, same cops. I've, I've seen cops come and go, I've seen, you know, I've become bosses and come back. And I'm like, wow, you know, but um, it's been great. It's been a great career. And um, I became a delegate back in 2018 and I've been a delegate since and I decided it was time to run. What, uh, what, what major in particular, like, why'd you, why'd you decide, you know, uh, so you about, about, Four, four and a half years, a little over, maybe five years you've been a delegate. What made you decide to do that? Like, why did you say, right, I'm going to throw my name in the hat? Honestly, I think it started with the vaccine mandate. You know, um, that was hard for me. And, I, and it was hard for a lot of people. Um, you know, when the vaccines started um, and they started enforcing it, um, something, it just didn't sit right with me. You know what I mean? And, and, and it was hard on my family because my wife is a nurse. Uh, she's not a nurse, sorry. She works. She's an ultrasound technician, but she works in the hospital. So she's also a first responder, and she was required to get it. And, and I, you know, I feel like God spoke through inside me and told me, you know, I, I can't get it. And uh, it's something I have to stay away from. And um, it, I had to look deep down inside, and I said, you know what? I have to stand my ground, and I'm not going to get it. And uh one of the things that first, I, I went to the transit trustee, uh, Juan Zubi Zaretta, and I explained to him, I said, I'm, I'm not getting it. Um, and he was like, you know, I don't know what the, what's the big deal. And I had filed at this time, I had filed the religious accommodation. And the PBA never gave out any kind of information on how to fill out the form. Or so cops were kind of getting it from each other. I mean, there were some delegates that said, oh, listen, um, my guys are doing this. And so we have like a delegates uh, uh, chat and uh, we all give each other, pass around information. And so we started like sharing these letters and stuff like that on how to write it up. And then obviously you would make yours uh, personalized to you. And there was a lot of internet uh, information over the internet. And, you know, I was just trying to put together this that applied to me. And I wrote this letter and, um, and it, got, it got denied. 
And um, so my appeal got denied. And then I filed the second appeal. And that's when I had to, and I spoke to the transit trustee and he's like, oh, what's the big deal? You know, I've spoken to, when I go around to these different commands, I speak to these cops, um, they don't have a problem with it. Um, nobody brings it up. So I don't know why you're making such a big deal about it. And I, you know, I try to explain to him, I said, listen, when uh, you have a duty to, to um, represent the entire command, whether it's 5% of the command or 95% of the command, those 5% count just as much as the 95%. So you have a duty to, to to defend and protect those cops and to deal with whatever issues that is important to them. And this is important to me, and I deserve representation. And uh, it wasn't there. You know, the PBA, um, from what I heard, the PBA actually had uh, the nurses from LEFRAC go right up to the PBA office and inject all of them with this experimental drug. You know what I mean? So how can you protect me when you can't protect yourself? When you sold yourself out... And you, and you took this poison, whatever this experimental uh, poison is, you took it. How can you protect me when you took it already? You understand? And that was the thing. They're, they're cops. You know, those guys working up at the office, they're cops just like the rest of us. So the requirements are for them as well. And those stipends and those trustee checks and those, you know, president checks, vice president checks, mm. that, all that money was hanging on a limb and they're not going to, you know, they're not going to stand their ground. They would have lost their spots. <laughs> so what? my second appeal, my second appeal was denied. And I was, I had 10 days uh, before I either got the, you know, received the vaccine or be placed on leave without pay. Now, you know, I, I don't mind putting my business out there. I got four kids and I got a mortgage. I can't afford. I can't afford a single check. A single check. I can't afford to go. You know, with, leave without pay. You know, I live check to check like everyone, like most cops. You know, it's a struggle. So I had a decision to make, and you know, I had to dig deep down inside and and make a decision, and and I and live with it. So I hired an attorney. I hired an attorney. I I actually reached out to um, Alexander Deletto. Alexander Deletto, you know, he's an unsung hero. He's one of the first cops that actually, uh, from you know, a cop, not a detective, who won the uh, the vaccine uh, legal battle. So I, I actually got in contact with him, and I, you know, and I explained to him my situation. I said, "Listen, I'm I'm running out of time. I'm I'm like a few days out. I need I need to figure out which what action am I taking." And he was like, "Listen, um, I won my case, and um, you can win. You just have to." You know, you have to hire an attorney and you have to go, The PB, you can't depend on the PBA. So I actually retained um, Jim Ramirez. And um, and Jim Ramirez was like, you know, I'll take care of everything. You know, he was going to file my TRO and my Article 78, which should have been provided by the PBA under the bylaws. The bylaws state that, that the PBA is supposed to provide an attorney for uh, matters that deal with work, you know, and they failed. And so Jim Ramirez, and then actually, um, it, it, it just happened that everything fell apart and they stopped, you know, pushing the vaccine, the pushing the mandates. And, um, but I, but I'm glad that I, that I still retained an attorney because, you know, what was their next move going to be? Was I going to be placed on, on leave without pay? I don't know. I guess we'll never know now. I'm glad that you're talking about this. I mean, no matter what, we'll never know. I mean, this was a dark time. Especially, but John, John opted to not take the vaccine. 
You left the job early. Uh, I don't hold it against you for, for taking it. You, you were backed into a corner. I, everyone has their own reasons. What's he that? You didn't take it. Oh, you did take it. All right, because you got the reasonable no, accommodation, right? But you know what I was? No, I, I didn't hear that. But what I'm saying is, I, I don't hold anyone against it that is forced to and en ends up taking it because, you know, I'm into a lot of financial books, and Dave Ramsey says pretty much that 80 to 85 percent of Americans are two paychecks away from being homeless. So this is definitely reflective of what you're saying. Here you are, you got four kids, you got a board mortgage, and thank God you did get that reasonable accommodation. Uh, people like John did not get it. I myself took it. I said many times on the podcast, the reason why I've taken it, I was in the Marine Corps. I got so many shots. I don't know what they gave me. I figured what was one more. So who was I to say anything? But for people that have backed into a corner, they had to. Exactly what you said. You miss one paycheck and you're back on your bills. So uh, listen, thank God you got the reasonable accommodation, but everybody should. That puts it for that religious accommodation, the medical, and everybody, honestly, I always say there should be other captions. If you just don't want it, you just choose you don't want it. But other than that, listen, I, I want to say this. I commend you because what I saw in my career is most of the guys that get involved in the union, they get involved in the union early on in their careers. We know right now, most of the board members, the executives, they've been part of the PBA the latter part of their careers. But here you are. You, you said you became a delegate in 2018. So you had 13 years on the job. You already had experience as a cop. So that's quite interesting. At that point, what did you? What was your understanding of what it was to be a delegate? And from when you became a delegate to now, what is your understanding of the roles, the responsibilities, and the duties to be a delegate? And if you can tell us, you know, what is the day in the life of being a delegate, other than obviously from your other duties of being a cop, but your actual duties of being a delegate, how do you serve the members? Well, honestly, I, it wasn't something I wanted. It, it, I never wanted to be a delegate, to be honest with you. Um, the uh, senior guys that, that were retiring, they were like, you know, you, you already fight for the cops. You know, you're already picking fights with the bosses and stuff like that. Not that that's <laughs> what you're supposed to do, but I'm just saying, you know, you, you're the voice of the cops and you're always standing up for everybody. And um, you, you're the perfect guy for the job. You know, you question everything. And so when they, you know, my wife actually said, no, you're going to do it. You know, my wife, she's the boss. And I said, she's like, no, you, you're going to do it because you're already in trouble and you're, you're already always backing up the cops. You might as well get paid for it. Um, Cause there is, you know, there is some monetary compensation. Um, you can make more money doing a paid detail, doing overtime and it's with less aggravation. You have to actually have the heart for it. You actually want to help, you know, help cops. You want to be there when, when it's hard, you know, when, it, when they're going through a, a situation. Um, you know, I, I've been through CCRBs, uh, lawsuits, um, tour changes. Um, you know, to this day, I still get, you know, the fixed posts and the nonsense posts. Oh, you know, you know what it means, you know. And um, but as a delegate, um, you know, you're there for the cops. I, you know, I've done uh, GoFundMes for cops that had cancer. Um, you know, when a cop is in the hospital, when a cop has a sick child, you know, you do a collection in the command. You know, when a cop has a G.O., you show up to that G.O., but not only do you show up to that G.O., but you kind of give them a heads up because that's a stressful situation and not everybody's ready for it. So you got to let them know, listen, these are going to be the questions. You know, you got to um, you're going to say yes or no. You know, they if they ask you, what is you know, what what is this? And, you, and you know, do you know what this is? And then they're holding a pen. You know, you know, the answer is yes. You know what it is. You know, you're not going to say it's, it's a blue pen. No, you're going to say yes. And you're going to be short and sweet. You're going to be right to the, you know, 
just answer the question. You're not going to go into a story because the more you speak, you know, the more you're going to, the more questions, the more questions you're going to get. So, you know, you coach cops through GOs. I've been through so many GOs personally and, and then also that I've accompanied cops. Um, it's just a, a range of things, you know, like um, they have questions whether, you know, how to update the, benef uh, the beneficiaries, um, you know, you know, giving them information that the PBA provides, like the wills program. You know, some cops don't realize that you're able to get um, your co-payment reimbursement. You're allowed to get a percentage of that money. You get it back. The PBA doesn't like cops to know that. I'm, I mean, <laughs> listen, you, you're into, you get a little money back. You know, you just go on to your Emblem Health, you print out the explanation of benefits, and you mail that into the PBA at the end of the year, and they cut you a check for it. Um, the insoles, you know, the, if, you, if you wear like those orthotics, those, uh, those custom insoles, um, that's a medical equipment that you can write off. You can go on the PBA website, print out the application, fill that, have your doctor fill it out, mail that in, you get reimbursed for some of those, uh, those custom insoles. So there's a lot of things that, you know, as a delegate that you um, – you're helping the cops out. You know, it's not just when they get they're in trouble. It's not just when they're in trouble. Sometimes they just need to hear. You know, they just need someone to talk to. They're having a situation at home. They need a little advice. I've I've been through a divorce. I, I've you know the child support situation. So I've been through. I've it's just life experience plus your time on the job. You know, they're going through a hard time, and you're just there to help them out, to hear them out, and and be there for them through their hard time, and let them know that they're gonna get through it, and they're not the first, and they're not the last. And we're all going to be all right. It's too bad you weren't an LBA trustee. I would have kept you very busy. <laughs> I got more. I, I got more geos than guys of college. <laughs> hey, but thank you, bro. Listen, you definitely sound like you gave some great insight. But what I like the best about this is you definitely sound like you actually wanted to actually live a life of service. Not only just a service of public safety, but with the cops. And you actually cared about them. So your wife was right. Listen, you're already doing it. You might as well get compensated for it. Listen, you and I both know I was an LBA delegate for, for, for a period of time. I was an SBA delegate. There's not much money in it, but you do get an opportunity to be a leader and a mentor amongst your peers. So for that, dude, I thank you very much. It's outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, just, and just for everybody listening out there, you know, it's not just a PBA during the vaccine mandate. It was all the unions, all the union board members ran out and – just them and their doctor just happened to be every single one of them. They all made that decision. So instead of saying, I'm standing in front of you, which the union is there for, which obviously Franklin just described is what he does. He stands in front of, of his membership to protect them. He mentors them. He leads them. Instead of standing in front of them, they don't even stand by the side with them. They're like, no, we got your back. But the way, way back. Exactly. So Franklin, you're a delegate at that time. Um, you're a delegate at that time. I'm going to bring it back to the vaccine mandate. And now everybody's coming to you for advice. And regardless of, of the fact, like, I'm glad I'm, I'm very happy for guys like you that didn't have to take it. A lot of my friends, you know, a lot of my friends had made that like graceful time where it's just, they're like, all right, it's over, it's done. And they couldn't afford to lose any more cops. They were like, Oh, what, what do we do here? So they just, they stopped it. So thank God you retained your attorney. You didn't have to take it. Um, what like, but let's just say you did. Let's say whatever happened, it wasn't an issue for you. What did you see from the the questions you were getting from your membership, as well as you had your own when you brought it to the board? Like, what was the, the, those responses like? What's the big deal? What's the big? Just get it already. Just get it. 
You don't listen, and, and here's the, you don't have to work here anymore. You could just get another job. <laughs> just just get another job. Yeah. Now, now, how do you say that to somebody who this is their life? You know what I mean? They went to college for this, or or you know they don't they don't have any other skills, or or they don't have anything lined up, and that you know they're behind the you know behind the eight ball, as they say. You know what I mean? They're just one check away from from bankruptcy or something. How do you say that to somebody? You know, you don't know anybody's financials. You don't know anybody's home situation. You know, it, it, it's really unfortunate because. You, you know, what I find what I find extremely problematic, Franklin, is this. OK, we can't expect them to show moral obligation to every cop and say, OK, and understand you have four kids and look into the family nomenclature for every cop. All right. It's a time for compassion, yes, but we can't break down for every family to see who actually needs representation, who's actually in a situation that, you know, missing one check is going to put them in a bad spot. But what they do have is they're a union. They're a board. They're actually, this is the opportunity that they should whip out their bylaws or refer to the actual contract because as far as John and I concerned, and I'm sure you, you the same thing here, we all have a pretty similar amount of time that we had in the job. I'm recently retired. John is recently unemployed. <laughs> but there was never any contract, contractual negotiation, or any talk that if the if we ever suffer suffer a pandemic, what is the plan? Is there a plan? Is there going to be a forced vaccine? This is something that was never discussed. So for it to be a last-minute thing that you could actually be terminated in a matter of a second, that's what I find extremely problematic, is that the union didn't say, hey, this is because that's all they ever referred to. This is not contractual. We've never, this has never even been an issue. But now these guys are going to be terminated in, within days and not and have to make a decision. Immediately, they say they have 80 million. That's where the money should have went. That, that, that money should have went to the attorneys. That's that's my opinion. Not only, was it, that? not only was it not contractual, but now you're changing the terms of employment, right? And so, exactly. These are terms of employment. We actually, so you, you gave us a legal ground to fight it because, um, there's a case, it was 11, it's called the 1127, right? That's the um, the city waiver, right? Correct. When, when transit and housing merged with the people with the with the NYPD, they they didn't pay city waiver. Correct. So that was something that, okay, listen, if you're gonna change the terms of employment, change it for those the new hires, but but we should have been grandfathered in. We're protected. You want to make it a rule for the new hires? That's that's a different situation. Because now you're signing a contract knowing the requirements, but you can't go up and change the, the, the terms of employment for me when I, that's not what the contract that I signed up on. That's exactly my point. To me, it was like, listen, you went to a you went into into a basketball game, and then all of a sudden, fourth quarter, no, we just changed the rules. You're shooting that basket, we shoot this basket. Listen, the rules are the rules. We need to an ample amount of time to have contractual negotiations to actually prepared for a pandemic. Now, I'm not saying that, that it's impossible to have a plan for a pandemic. There should have been, but there never was a plan for a pandemic. And even when we interviewed Corey Grable and we asked him what was the plan, what would you have done in response, and what did you expect from the union prior, he said, I didn't, you know, I, he really didn't expect much because we never had this issue. We understand we never had this issue, but that's where the union was supposed to stand strong and say exactly that. We never had this issue. Our members should not have to face potential termination. This was right. never a contract negotiated. They're not going anywhere. 
they're not going anywhere. They should have stood at the gate of One PP and said, "These guys are not leaving." Yeah, but it was even it was even bigger than that. Honestly, it was bigger than it violated our contracts. It violated our OEO policy. It violated federal, city, and state OEO law. And now all of a sudden, police officers, are the, the premier law enforcement agency in the world, the largest police unions in the world, in the country, didn't know how to interpret law all of a sudden. It just, all of a sudden, it didn't matter. And I, I, could, I, could be, I would have been fired in seven days. But a guy who raped somebody would have had a department trial and would have been suspended without pay for possibly years while his trial went on. And they didn't put up a fight at all. And, and then, uh, sorry. And then they're bragging about 80, having $80 million in, in, in reserves. Then why didn't you hire these attorneys that were winning cases? If you can, if you're, if you're the PBA attorneys can't handle it, then hire attorneys that can. Or at least give us a group article 78. Like, you know, again, for the public, there was nothing on how to fill out religious exemptions. You know, I was a lieutenant. I gave my religious exemption across the board to everybody. Anyone that asked, I was like, here, take it. Which is not really normal what would happen in, 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 in police culture. Like a boss isn't going to give out his personal, medical, private, religious information and be like, yeah, this is what I wrote. It's just not. But I'm like, this is wrong. What's going on? This is absolutely, absolutely wrong. I didn't even know about Article 78s until I was out for five months already. So I was already it was already too late for me. The union did not even advise us on that. It was, ah, kid, you seem like you know what you're doing. You got a good head on your shoulders. Blah, 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 blah. Don't Hope worry. it works out. Fine. You know, 18 years, 5.0 rated, thousands of incidents without, without incident, hundreds of arrests without incident, nothing. See you later. And uh, I mean, I think... So I know you're saying that that's the catalyst. I know you're saying that's the catalyst. That's what got you to say, you know what? I'm going to run for, I'm going to run to get into the, into the, the, the upper echelon of the PBA. What else did you see as not only as a delegate, but as a cop that you felt needs improvement in the union? Like, and, and it could, and it could be anything, just your opinion. Like well, will be like anything. Like, oh, let me tell you what happened. So, so <laughs> that, the vaccine was one thing, but then December of 2021, really got ugly. Um, so I gotta, I gotta backtrack. Um, I was out, I was out with COVID. I got COVID really bad. I was actually hospitalized for a week. Um, I was in the hospital for a week. Um, I did not receive any visits, any calls, anything from the transit trustee. And then finally I went back, I, you know, I was, I, I, I was able to go home and I was on blood thinners. I was on two different types of inhalers. And, um, and you I got a bed too, John, right? You're... Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I got a text message from my, one of my co-delegates, like, you know, that, um, that the trustee was accusing me of scamming <laughs> because I posted a picture with my family. I, I actually, um, the doctor from left rack was like, you know, you need to get out of the house. You look pale. You know, you look like you haven't left your house. You have to get out and you have to move around. You can't just stay home. So she actually told me, listen, get out of the house. Go do something. And um, so I actually went out to, I went pumpkin picking. And, you know, I was dying the whole time. I was out of breath because I had COVID. I had COVID pneumonia. I had COVID lungs and, and um and so I was, you know, it took a while for my lungs to get back to normal. And um, the trustee actually accused me of scamming, scamming sick. 
I mean, the department gave me three months home. Why would this department won't even give you five days? You know what I mean? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I had I had documentation. I was I was really sick. Like, how could how could someone be hospitalized for a week and they could be scamming? Like, this isn't it's the, it's mind boggling. And so he um so when I actually came back from COVID and I finally attended those meetings, um, I walk in and they're, they're, my first meeting back, they're having a meeting about um, changing the amending the bylaws. It was a political action. Um, they wanted to increase the political action fund. So they were, they, it was going to go from like 3% to 5% of the, of the union dues to increase. So that, that was going to be the increase. So it wasn't going to increase the actual dues for the members. It was just going to increase the amount of a percentage of the amount of money that was already being taken to go to political action. Now the argument was that you know it's going to go to uh, the politicians that we uh, that we uh, support and 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 it's going to go to make advertisements for the ones we don't. It just it, it's for some reason it just didn't add up. It didn't jive. I, it, it just didn't sit right with me. And I and I said, you know what? It just doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right to me. And so I I voiced it to the trustee. You know, I said, listen, um, I'm going to have to vote no on this. Oh, what do you mean? You know, and he starts arguing with me. And so I started talking to Julio Gonzalez. He's actually the, de the delegate from District uh, 12. And we started to have a discussion at the, at the delegates meeting. And I, and, and I said, you, are you OK with this? He said, no, I'm not. He's like, I'm voting no as well. And so now the trustee sits with us and he's arguing with us. Oh, this is not going to be good. You know, you, I don't understand why you got to fight this. And I'm like, it doesn't you, you're not making sense to me. And, and you're not convincing me. And I don't agree with it. And I'm just going to vote no. And I don't understand what's the big deal. I mean, voting no if I don't agree with it. And I don't think that I can come back to my members and sell it to them either. You know, I don't think my members would appreciate that. I don't. I, and then it, it gave me enough time to bring it back to the command to even discuss it with the members. So I voted no. Julio voted no. There was like seven of us. And... Um, and then someone went up to the uh, before before we even voted. Somebody went up to the mic. Uh, I want to say he was the delegate from the one ten. Um, I think his name was Ferdinand Ferdinand Rodriguez. He uh, he went up to the mic and he and he um, and they started booing him and and Patty told him to sit down and you didn't invent this, you know. He wanted to have a roll call vote. He wanted to bring it back to the membership and and have a roll call vote. Because the, the how they were voting was actually not official. They were having like a they wanted to have a stand up vote. So people who want to vote, you know, stand up. Everybody who wants yeah, who says yes, yeah, stand up. All right, everybody sit down. All right, everybody stand up now for no. Now the problem is that you have random people. Sometimes you have civilians in the room. Sometimes you have like uh, somebody brings somebody from their command uh, or their wife, or some. Sometimes some people bring their kids. The point is that. You would have to ask, you know, everyone that's not a delegate to step out of the room and, and alternates can't vote either. So you would have to ask the alternates to either step out or not to take not to stand or sit. I mean, not to um, not to stand for either vote because alternates can't vote. So in the end, it was seven of us and we got booed and, you know, and I think that's when that's when they really the, the PBA put a target on us. Pat Lynch grabbed the mic and was like, take their picture, record them, you know, 
these are the fabulous five. He, he said something like the fabulous five. And now come to realize that, you know, we were supposed to be the, the, the top five, you know what I mean? The, the insurgents. And that's when, that's when they discovered who the problem was, were, were going to be. It solidifies everything John and I have been talking about because the delegates, we, we say, the delegates never really have an opportunity to stand out and represent their members in the way that they see fit and actually voice it to, the, to, the, to Pat Lynch, to the executives, to the incumbents, because if you don't fall in line, you'll never have a career in the PBA. You'll never have an opportunity to make it to trustee, to move up. You have to fall in line. And obviously, what you just proved is in a stand-up vote like that, with a room of, of potential visitors and, and family members, the integrity of that vote is completely compromised. And for you guys to speak out in, in, a, in a public forum like that, just show complete bravery and courage because you know what you're up against. And for him to try to bully you guys by, say, take the picture, just shows, well, he's letting you know without saying it, you're going to have no future in this PBA unless you fall in line. So basically, it's either that way or no way. So sure. I, I applaud you for doing that because that's what you have to do. You have to stand on moral principle. And that's – I just want to reflect on it. That's, that's – John and I talk about this on this podcast all the time. Is That's the problem with the weak leadership. The management of the NYPD is everyone just falls in line and no one stands on moral leadership. So now that you're in this position, how how does someone of your stature that is, is not in agreement, how do you move forward? How do you face this opposition? And if you do – do you have a chance to move up in your career or, or is it just completely diminished? Well, now, now, now I was going to be blackballed. So I, the first thing I wanted to do was get back to my command to explain to my cops who, what happened and, you know, that I stood my ground and that I'm, I did it because I think I thought it was in their best interest because I knew right away that they were going to start targeting me. And they did. They started targeting everyone that stood up. Some were um, one of the guys was a canine guy. The canine guy, um, so the, tr the transit trustee, he went and to the command, and I guess he leaked a video or a picture, some kind of audio. They leaked something to the command, and they gave him some, some crazy made-up story that they would lose their easy passes because these are the, the politicians fight to get them their easy pass, and, and we support those politicians. And, and your delegate, he, he didn't want to give more money to the politicians that give you your easy pass. He spun it. To a way where it's something that they that they that's important to them, basic, essentially. You know, understand where I'm going with this? Like it was something that, that means a lot to them, and it was something that was gonna it was gonna um, get a reaction out of them. And so that delegate, in order to not get any repercussions, he 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 gave up his spot, mm -hmm. and the spot actually went to one of Pat Lynch's guys that he got to transit. <laughs> the, I know um, he's the current trustee, the transit uh, delegate. No, no surprise. John, before you go ahead, I just want to say this one thing. So you said that they would target you. So obviously at that point you knew you knew what you're about to face, but what what did you think specifically that they would target? Well, actually they tried to do a special election. So they tried to um run a guy in my command against me. And um so they what the guy was one of the cops from my command was going around um handing people a petition and saying, Oh, um, if you could just sign this for me. Um, uh, we're going to get in order to get an election going. So what, it's a special election. So in order to have a special election, you need 75% of the command to sign. And then it, it, it gets an election going and then people can run. I mean, I can, it doesn't mean that I'm going to lose. It just means that you're going to force an election. 
And so um, he was getting signatures, but he wasn't explaining to the cops for my command what it was that it was for my spot. So now when uh, when when someone asked, you know, what 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 spot is coming up for election? They were like, oh, no, um, it's for Valdez. <laughs> and then everybody was like, what? And then I got the notification. You know, I got a call and I said, you know what? Don't sign it. Don't sign it. And and until he explains what's going on and explains, and then if you want to sign it, sign it. And so um, people stopped signing it. And um, and I told them, I said, you know, what well, what's what have I done wrong? Have I not done my job? Oh no, it's just you know, I just want to have a, an election. I said, but elections were up in November. Why didn't you? Um, what what was the interest then? You, you you weren't interested then. I ran unopposed when my election spot came up. I ran. It was unopposed. Nobody. Uh, Nobody challenged me. So why now? It was like now it was it was like around January or February. So why now? But I knew it had something to do with the voting. And so that that went by the wayside. They didn't get enough signatures. And um and then I realized I said, you know what? It came for me. They came for me. And they and they were starting to come for everyone else. Everyone else that took a vote, and I said it's time for me to stand up. I need to. I need to move up, and I need to. I need to run for a higher position because there's a lot of a lot of wrong that's going on with it within the union, and somebody's got to put a stop to it. Yeah, absolutely. So you see, you see all the bullying. You see the can't ask a question, can't have an op- opposing opinion. You know, from a boss, I think that's the weakest form of leadership there is you know um a lot of times i'm on a job it might even be a job that i've done a thousand times but i don't see everything all the time and if somebody's like whispering in my ear hey boss you know we got to do xyz i'm not like shut your mouth i'm the boss i think about what he said for a minute you know what i mean and then you know sometimes you need the other vision and right now what we see is they don't want any other vision. It's my vision or the highway. And I mean, we've seen what went on with since they increased the dues. We've seen the history of the last 20 years of the candidates that have gotten the PBA dues. I find it very funny. I was telling Eric this, and, and this goes for all the unions. This goes for the woke SBA who has me blocked on social media. This goes for the soft LBA. This goes for the CEA. They endorse, heavily endorse red candidates in Long Island where they live. They fund leftist candidates in New York City. It's and and I don't I don't understand that. So where you live, you where you live, you're 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 giving you're giving those guys a boost. But where you work and where you earn money, and when it relates to your profession and your career in particular, well, not their career in particular, but all of us as a whole, right? It we're going anti-police, and then and then that makes me question why that is. Why why would you why would we be giving funds to a candidate who's anti-police, who does not support the safety of our members, who does not support legislation to help their health and welfare, or to help their salary? Why would we give them money? And then I start to think that it's a it's a personal gain. And there's something to be had personally or politically. 
Absolutely, I believe that too. I mean, when they turned around and and after they got the approval for the uh, to increase the political action fund, they turned around and gave the money to Hopel. And then I'm looking at all the delegates. You guys were okay with this. What do you mean? Now you now you want to be upset? You were okay with increasing the dues. And what did they do? They turned around and 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 gave the money to Hopel. And 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 the question, the biggest question to me is that when all the other law enforcement unions and agencies. 40 of them backed Zeldin. Why did our union think it was a great idea or that they, they knew something that the other unions didn't and, and, and get behind Hoku? What was, was there had to be an, another motive. It had to be some kind of backdoor deal, some collusion, whether there was a job offer, whatever the situation was, there has to be something. And I'm sure with, with some deep investigation, we could figure out what the answer is. Because there's nothing that happens in the dark that doesn't come to light. And, and we, we need those answers. And we're going to get them. It might take some time, but we're going to get those answers. Absolutely. I remember reflecting back when, when John and I first started this podcast and John had ex- discovered that there was a su- substantial fund that was given to Governor Holchel. And I said, wow. I mean, it was just shocking. We had no idea. And then Exactly that. You know, the expression, follow money. So sure enough, John started looking up follow money. And you look it up on the internet. She's not the only one. I mean, there are numerous leftist anti-police politics, politicians out there that have created legislation that has made obstacles to be a police officer right now. Just made it so difficult, which I, which I talk about all the time. And the reason why I think it's important is because the money that they gave to these legislative bodies has attributed to their own enemy, which is a more powerful, more funded civilian complaint review board Absolutely. that doesn't know where to stop. I mean, we even saw an article where now the civilian complaint review board is going to have access to every cop's CPI. So for people out there that are listening, cops, if you're not sure what your CPI is, that's your central personnel index. For the families out there, that is your loved one's actual complete file. Everything that, that, that is good or bad about them, positive or negative on the job, it completely that the civilian complaint review board will have access to, which to me makes absolutely no sense. And again, what else do we get from these legislative bodies? The discipline matrix, which until this podcast, no one was talking about. And this discipline matrix has changed the job completely. That's why I hope that someone like you starts to really press, put their finger on the pulse on this one, because the discipline matrix changes the job completely. Termination was never a factor, but now it's on the table. What do you think about the discipline matrix, and has that been explored and spoken about amongst the union? Well, the, the biggest problem that I have with the discipline matrix was that when it was being created, the PBA never sat down. The PBA was never invited to sit at that table and, and, and have say over when, you know over these punishments. It's cruel. It's cruel. And here's the problem I have with it. It's like you have criminals out here committing robberies, you know, rape and, and, and murder. And the, the bail is less than some of these hits that, 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 that these cops are facing for, you know, a cup of coffee, being off post, um, not having a personal, um, not having a shoe shine, not, you know, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, if you look at some of the stuff in that, in that discipline matrix, I mean, you could even have an unnecessary conversation. Now, what is an unnecessary conversation? 
anything. I mean, you, you got this body camera, right? And and not to jump around, but the PBA, you know, dropped the lawsuit against the body camera in order to get a contract, in order to get a the neighborhood policing differential. So now that um that camera is 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 on, and you, you got to watch what you say. Now you can't curse. You can't have unnecessary conversations. You know, uh, are you recording another cop? They said that they weren't going to use it against the, the you know the, the the members, and they have been. You know, they've been using it against the members, and that's not what it was intended for. And now they want to bring the discipline matrix and, and and crucify these cops. You know, it, it's a, it's a financial burden. You know, because you know the cops' time is valuable. You know, their time is to be spent with their family, their loved ones. And it's hard enough to get a day off in this department. But now you're talking about <laughs> those days away. There's a monetary punishment. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and criminals are not facing that, that the amount of monetary punishment that some of this discipline matrix provides. You know, it, it's it, it needs serious attention. That's, that's for sure. And just bringing up on the, the body cameras, you know, even that lawsuit, right? Where, where the members are funding a lawsuit against body cameras. But we're giving money to all the all the politicians that wanted the body cameras. And then the union drops the lawsuit. You get 2.5% increase, which, in, in my opinion, is a slap in the face to completely change policing on its head. And, you know, the and, and they were like the salesman for the body camera. In my opinion, all of the unions, well, I love the body camera. I never see them wear a body camera. All the love the body camera. I never see any of them wear a body camera. Everybody loves the body camera, but they all say the truth behind the body camera. It's for transparency and accountability. <laughs> Increase public safety. And what they're saying is, what they're saying is, what those words are is that they're watching you. So those body cameras were always set up to, they were always set up to go after the police. And the union tried to spin it and sell it a different way. And it was such, such a dishonest message. And 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 to go into the, so they didn't get the, the what the thing is that the what paid for the 2.5% was actually the stretch out of the top pay for the new hires. So the, the top, the, the stretch out was six months for new <laughs> hires. So technically we paid, um, the, well, the unborn paid for their, for the raise. For that two two and a quarter, that neighborhood policing differential was paid for by the new hires, by the stretch out of the top pay. So, in order to get that, they had to drop the lawsuit. But the problem is that you know you have these cameras out here, and um, yeah, does it help cops in situations? Absolutely, yes, it does. It's cleared some cops, but that's not what they're they're using it. For. The, the department is is using it for other means. And and it's and it's it's a slippery slope because they're using it as a counting mechanism. They're using it as a, you know um, how they use the two fifties. You know, they, you know, it's a number now. So now they, they're counting the activations. You know, you know, at the end of the tour, they want to know how many activations did you have. You know, so so what is is this an activity? You know what I mean? Like, so it's being it's counting as a, as activity. They want to know how many activations you had per day. I mean. It, what, what are we counting? I mean, what are these, what's going on at the, at the palace that everybody, everything is always like about counting something and being counted. Everything, everything on this job is a stat. And one thing I tell you, being a special ops lieutenant for eight years, especially in the South Bronx, we went to comp stat constantly. 
And there's a stat for everything. There's a stat for complaints of burglaries. There's a stat for complaints of robberies. There's a stat for shootings. There's a fourth stat for guys who have TRIs. And I'm sure right now there's probably some stat for guys that don't put on their body camera. I'm sure there's bosses right now walking around to their cops going like this. You know, make sure you get me a couple of these. You know, but what's said about this, and just to circle back, and frankly, you know, I talk about this all the time. Because here you are, you're running for a, a, a higher position. and But you can relate to the cops right now. You're out there. You're in transit. You have 18 years on the, on the job. But you're part of the modern era. You've transitioned. You have a body camera. You have a business card. You wear a taser. You actually know what it is to face the Civilian Complaint Review Board in its current day, right? Post-2018. You're aware that the discipline matrix is on the table. But the current administration, these guys, that's why I said it was nice of you to say earlier that, they were, that they're still cops. No. To me, they're not cops. They're employed by the NYPD, but they sure as hell, they're not cops. They don't deserve to be called cop like you. They're police officers, maybe at most, but they're employed by the NYPD. Those guys have never worn a body camera, yet they're negotiating. That's the paradox to this. They're negotiating a body camera stipend that they'll never have to wear. The cops have to bear the body camera. It was changed the game completely. And, John, I think you had mentioned it. I think that monetarily it was $50 every two weeks to raise for changing the job completely. John, am I right? Is that what you said, $50? Yeah, about 50 So here, exactly. So a $50 raise that changes the job completely. But yet they, they reap the benefits. They get the raise, but they'll never have to wear the body camera. The second those guys have to go out to wear a belt to show that they're serving the cops for their best interest, they will retire. And we know it. They will not do it. So these guys, they cannot relate to the modern-day cop. And that's why I say they don't care about what's in the best interest. They should say, you know what? Franklin Valdez wants to move up, and he's a guy that's out there, and he knows what it is. We could use a guy like that. Help us. Help us to help you, and we help each other and make this better. But that's not what they want. They're paying the pockets of these leftist politicians. There's no coincidence. Why? Are they getting jobs for themselves? Are they getting... Are they setting careers up for their offspring? Ultimately, we know that. So here you are. You're in a position. You want to move up. So how if you if you do get if you do get this nomination and ultimately get yourself a position, how how would you make changes? What do you see would be your best role? Obviously, you're you're going to be in transit, but how can you make changes? In transit, that ultimately could be adapted to be citywide. What changes could you be, could you implement to make it better for the cops as we speak? Well, one of the things that you know, I don't have all the answers. We have to sit down with management and we have to figure out how can we address some of these quality of life issues, some of these things that cops face on a daily basis. You know, you got cops that are being notified about that they're going to do you know four hours overtime, and they're being notified at three o'clock in the afternoon. When they, you know, if a day tour cop, and they're supposed to, they're supposed to be going home at three forty, and you're being notified at three o'clock that you're gonna have to have four hours overtime, I think that that's really messed up, you know, because you have families, you have responsibilities, you have to pick up your kids, or you have to, you know, you got to relieve your wife, your 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 wife or your husband has to go to work now, you know, it it puts a strain on the relationship and on the family life, and there's a lot of things that need to be addressed, whether it's the overtime, you know, whether it's the conditions. You know, some of these RMPs that we deal with, they don't have air conditioning. The brake, you know, the brakes don't work. The um, the headlights are out. 
you know, and they're working these late tours and the headlights are out or the gas, you know, the gas um, read is not working. Whatever the situation is, there's a lot of things that cops deal with on a daily basis that are not being addressed, you know. And, you know, the cleanliness of the commands. You know, I got a, somebody sent me a video. There's a rat running around my command in the lunchroom right on top of the tables. I mean, these are some of these issues. And this is supposed to we spend more time in these situ in these places than we do in our actual homes. You know, and, and there's no there's no plant. You know, there's no cleaning. There's no cleaning services. You know, the, the places dilapidated, you know, the, the vents are not clean. There's air, there's no air conditioning. You're not, you know, they don't even want you to come back for meal. They don't want. So now you're doing, you know, a post tour overtime and they don't even allow you to come back and take a take a. They don't want you coming back to the command to take a break. You know, you're working 12 hour tours basically on a daily basis. You're not even given a two, two meals. You're given one meal and told to take personals, but don't take the personal on the overtime. So it, there's a lot of things that need to be addressed. Um, punishment, you know, that, that needs to be addressed. Uh, you know, I can, I can just go on and on. Um, there's other things. Also, there's some of these answers are going to come from the membership. You know, one of the things that P, uh, that um, Pat Lynch, when he ran in 1999, was that he was going to create surveys. And I think that that's, that's one way to reach the membership. You could create a survey through SurveyMonkey, whatever the, whatever the app you want to, you want to pick, pick one. And you can say, you know, this is we're going to create this and, and we, we want to get a, a consensus from the membership. You know, what's the situation? What are some of these issues that we could be addressing? And that's something that I wanted to implement. I actually created this survey. It, it never, never, uh, never came to uh, never came to use it. But I created a survey that I wanted to bring to the commands and, and give a quick link so I can see what are some of the issues that are affecting the membership, because every command has different issues. Every command has you know something going on. And, you know, so if, say, for example, I'm a day tour delegate, but I'm a delegate for the whole command. But every delegate is in a group chat in their tour. So every delegate knows what's going on in that tour. So I, I, I'm a believer. I'm a strong believer that every delegate on each tour should be on each tour. So, you know, what's going on on each tour. And now we all talk and see, hey, listen, what's going on in the command? Is there any issues, anything going on? And then now that you would relay that to the trustee. Now that trustee has a delegates chat where he's getting all that information from all the different commands. And now what is something now, now we can figure out what's, what's affecting the membership. And now we take this to management and, and we address these issues. Because if, 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 if you have a happy cops, you got, you know, happy bees create more honey, right? You know, you, you, you can't argue with a fly why, why, you know, why he wants to deal with shit. Right. But this is how you deal with it. You're going to, you're going to address the problems and, and you're going to have happy cops and you can increase the quality of life. I think that's a great idea. And I'll tell you why. You know, I was a boss for a long time, actually most of my entire career. And I said the key to success was communication and building relationships. I built relationships with my cops and we always communicate with each other. The information was always flowing. No one was left in the dark. And when everyone is actually informed and the information is flowing, everyone feels involved and it is better quality of life when you're at work. You're not going to work and saying, hey, what's going on? So the idea that you want to exchange information and keep each other informed and build a relationship, that would that builds a stronger bond. That's what we want from a PBA union. But that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing that ultimately it's just about self-preservation and for their own pockets. Right. And and another thing is that, you know, like some of these cops, they're not even getting visited. When I when I started campaigning and I started visiting the midnight cops, you know, the midnight cops never get any visit. They never get the pizza visits. 
you know, uh, um, usually the day tours might get some bagels here and there, and but it's the four to twelve that are getting the pizza visits. You know, they call them pizza patty. Um, what are they doing? Is they they go into the commands and they're dropping off pizzas, and it, you know the members think that like, oh, these are nice guys. No, your union dues are paying for that pizza. They drop <laughs> off your union dues and they they're out the door. They're not even answering any questions, and that should be that's the most vital time. Because, all right, that's fine. Listen, I'm not saying the pizzas are bad. Um, bring the pizza, but ask the members what's going on. It's simple. Hey, listen, you know, um, is there anything that needs to be addressed? Anything that's concerning, the, anything that's going on in the command that needs to be addressed? And then it needs to be taken up all the way up the ladder. You know, it's just you got to hold the top executive board accountable for whatever issues are not being addressed, any concerns, you know, and then and it goes all the way up to the top. Yeah, well, you got to care first, you know, not just not just around election time that I see all these guys that I've never seen in, in my 18 years on the job. Even when I was a cop, I was a cop close to seven years. I never seen any of these guys. I didn't know. I know who Pat Lynch was, but I never seen any of them. And you know. couldn't name any of them. Underneath I, couldn't name, I couldn't name one of them. I don't know any of them. And the ones that I can name, they were shit cops. I would never vote for them in my life. Like they were self-serving people, even when I knew them as cops. So, you know, I'm like. I, I, you know, I wouldn't. Um, I, I want to get into what took place. But before we do that, because you, you're giving everybody a lot of great information. And and before we, we get into why you're being told you're disqualified from, from the ballot and the transit trustee, what are your thoughts on this contract and the, and, and the overall contract negotiations? Well, as I posted on Instagram, you know, it's not a gift. It's not a gift. It was something that was owed to us. Um, it's far from amazing. Um, it was it was long overdue. I'll say that. It was long overdue. Um, but did I think it was amazing? No. Uh, because if you look at the numbers from 2017 to 2023, it's about 19%, right? And the problem with um, inflation is over 20% for the same time period. Period. From 2017 to 2023, the inflation was over 20%. So essentially, you didn't get a raise. What you got was a cost of living adjustment because it didn't pass the co- it didn't pass the um, the cost of living. So, I mean, and then here's the problem. You know, the first three years you got pattern. You know, you got two, you know two and a quarter, two point five, and the three that was initially offered three years ago, but now you're taking it. At a devalued amount, at a devalued, uh, it's devalued, you know, because the, the, the dollar value went down, inflation, you know, interest rates and credit cards. So it's accumulated debt that you've had now, you know, if you've been living off your credit cards. And now you, the PBA took a de- took the, when they could have took that three years ago, but now you're taking it. And they said that they didn't want to take it back then because it was a healthcare give back. But now we, we realize that there was a healthcare give back now. So essentially, we took the exact same deal that we PBA had, The PBA had always said that they wouldn't take, they wouldn't sign on to the MLC and were anti-MLC. And then a lot of people missed it, but it was it was in like a little fine print. It was like a little small letters, MLC. Frank, hold on one sec. Is he coming in, John? Yeah, hold on. You're breaking up. Hold on one sec. Yeah, one sec. You, you got any noise in the background by you, uh, Franklin? No. Eric, I'm going to mute you real quick. All right, sorry. Go. It was him. You're in time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry. 
No, so um, so the situation was that um, I'm sorry, I lost my chain of thought. Um, we were talking about the MLC deal. So the MLC, it was like a little fine print, and they didn't give any explanation. Then um, Dave Nicholson, which is the health and welfare attorney, um, he he went on about some 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 nonsense, but never mentioned the word, never said MLC, never mentioned those initials, and um, and then um, start, the information started to come out. And so I started to make posts about it. And uh, and then all of a sudden, the PBA sent out an email basically trying to discredit me for putting out the real information. But but everything that I essentially what they did was they confirmed everything that I said was true. The MLC is a give back. Now, does it affect everyone? No, it doesn't affect everyone. It affects those 65 and older and those retired disability. So anybody who got three quarters is going to be put under the Medicare Advantage plan. The Medicare Advantage Plus plan, it's essentially going to be Aetna, and it's going to have the higher cost. So what they're doing is they put in the cost on those 65 and older and those disabled so that everyone, all the active members and those under 65 have the free health care. For now, for now. It's eventually, that's all going to be subject to change as well. You know, when uh, when they have when, when when they need to save, it's supposed to be a savings plan. And when they can't find the savings, they're going to find they're going to have to come after the active. And um, and that's just one of the givebacks. We don't know what else is what other givebacks are in the contract until we find until we get the uh, the draft, because we hired the um, the perb arbitrator. Right. And he has to show the work. Right. Because he received seven thousand dollars. Right, he gets thirty five hundred from the PBA and thirty five. The other half he gets from the city for his for his fees per day. So he's receiving essentially seven thousand dollars a day. He's got to show work for it. So we, what we need to see is the the draft, the proposal. We want to see the the, the the fine print. What are the givebacks? What paid for the raise? Right. That's where you'll know how how we paid for it. Right. Seven thousand per day. Before you go, I just want to correct one thing because a lot of guys are saying that, oh, it doesn't affect everybody. It does because, like you're saying, you don't know what's coming down the road for the active guys, but we gave away health care at our most essential time when we're going to need it the most. You don't need health care in your 30s, your 40s, your 20s. No. You need it when you're 65. And, 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 you and got to fix income. And that's why we took this job. And that's why we always made less money is like, oh, we'll have health care and we'll have, you know, uh, you know, you're not going to have the uh, in ground pool. You're going to have the above ground pool. Right. And like, but you'll you'll never starve and you'll always have health care. And it, I don't know that that's going to be true anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'm just glad that everybody's getting their money. And then I thought that everybody was going to get their money right away. But now, you know, everybody said, you know, the PBA put out an email saying yeah, the sooner you ratify it, the sooner we can get paid, basically. And then that wasn't the, that wasn't the case. You know, now they're telling us that we're, we're going to we're not getting paid till July 21st. You know, now. So does that mean that we got zeros for three months since we wrap? You know, I don't, I don't know that. We don't know that yet. You know, the PBA hasn't really answered that. They haven't specified whether we got zeros. Um, but, you know, Patty never takes zeros. I don't know that. We don't know that yet. But I'll tell you one thing, though. He ran out the door and he couldn't run out fast enough. What is he running from? <laughs> or what is he running to? <laughs> what is he running to? Did he get a job offer? I guess we'll, 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 
we're gonna have to find out. But it, you know, like I said, nothing happens in the dark that doesn't come in the light. That's that's right, brother. Let me, let me tell you before we go into why you disqualified, which I, <clears throat> excuse me, which I think is completely important as the focal point of, of of your campaign here. But the actual contract itself, I asked Derek and and I asked Corey, and I want to ask you the same because. No one has seen it. I speak to cops all the time on a daily basis. We talk about the civilian complaint review board, of course, the Matrix. But no one has seen the contract. What's in that contract? And honestly, I find it very questionable that a pilot program would be in the contract. This modern chart, is it in the contract? And is there anything else? The sick policy, vacation, tours changed when you could get your time and a half if you're 25 What's in this contract? We don't know. Do you know? Well, I'll be honest with you. When I voted on the contract, you couldn't even – it didn't even allow you to access to see it. So you couldn't even see it on the uh, on the American Arbitration Association website when you were going to vote. It, it wouldn't show you the contract. So you're just going on unfaith, basically, on, on, on uh, that the PBA is, is acting in good faith, and you're just going to have to take their word for it. They send you like a little pamphlet. Oh, uh, this is a little pamphlet, and these are what you're getting. But the the pamphlet says you're getting a pilot program. A pilot program. It doesn't guarantee the 12-hour tours, and it doesn't guarantee the specific schedules. It doesn't make any kind of guarantees. So how can you how can you put something like that in the contract? I I, I don't I don't believe that. Um, you know, and what if it doesn't work out? So if the pilot program doesn't work out, what? John and I just spoke about that today. I said, John, this is, doesn't make any sense. How could this be the contract? It's an experiment. I mean, if the experiment doesn't work. Does the whole thing just blow up? I mean, who decides? Do we have? Do they have to go back to the PBA and say, listen, this didn't work? Do we go back to the drawing table, or is it just completely out? No one knows anything. It's, well, no, it's the most no, ridiculous no. thing. I mean, it's like one of those things. You go buy a car, and they're like, hey, listen, kid, you get four oil changes in two years, if, and then you go get the oil change. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's the oil change here. No. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> oh, no, it's <that's> science. <laughs> Don't worry. It sounded good, right? That's all that matters. And just to go back on the, the, the three months of zeros, right? I asked every delegate that I know that accuses me of spreading misinformation, and they've actually accused you and Derek of spreading misinformation, too, and, and Eric as well, without ever being able to identify one thing that we've said that's misinformation. I just want them to tell me one thing that I lied about. I I, I, I don't know. I, I I honestly don't know. You know, and but like I I I, I posed the question to all of them. I said because you put out online, I saw something you put out, and you said where the PBA drafted an email and said upon ratification you'll be paid out immediately, right? Which it was is not in their purview to say because it's up to the city when they will pay that out. So they gaslit the membership on there to ratify a contract they'd never seen. So everybody signed off on a contract they'd never seen. They took Pat Lynch's word for it. And if history proves anything, it's that I would never take that guy's word for anything. But they did, again. And, and again, like you said, they, they're starving. You need the money. It's a contract they earned. Um, but we ratify the contract in April, and you're not getting paid out to July. Is the retro from starting from July going all the way back to when you're out of contract? Or is the retro starting from when the contract is starting from when the contract was ratified all the way back to when you're out of contract? Because guess what? If you only got paid till April, 
Didn't That's get three, three months of zero. zeros Ooh. where they said they would never take a zero. And nobody has answered that question. Not one trust. I can answer that question. I don't know that answer. Nobody's answered the question. And it was just a question posed. And, and like you said, you, you put out stuff online. I put stuff out online. And emails come jumping, right? You know, saying, oh, misinformation and all this other stuff. We haven't seen one, one rebuttal to that. I'm, but I'm very curious as to what that contract looks like. Because like you said, we don't know what's in it. But I tell you this. If, if you've noticed... Every time you guys put out something or I put out something, it forces the PBA to give out the legitimate information. We actually force their hands. You know, I think we're the reason why cops even got a contract to begin with. It was it was you guys posting stuff and, and me posting stuff. They're getting attacked from every end, from every angle, and, and it's forcing their hand. And it's, it's, If you ask me personally, I think that they use this perp and stretching out this stuff. Just, just as an election purposes, because it just so happens that it always happens during election time, and and, and you always get a contract right before election. Why? Because you distract cops with retros, and then they forget everything about that. Every reason why they were pissed off, why they wanted to vote, and throw everybody out. Because you dangle the carrot, and then they forget. But when I'm, I'm going to make sure that they don't forget, because I'm going to keep reminding them. Oh, you know, they won't forget. They won't forget. There's a thousand ways to tell a lie and only one way to tell the truth. And you know what? Maybe that's why they're saying it's misinformation because we're we're misdirecting the bullshit information that they put out, causing them to now put the real information out. So, yeah. So, you know what? They're right. It is misinformation. It's missing from who? It's the missing information that they didn't give to the guys. Exactly. That's what it is. It's but a, it's you know what? The reality <laughs> but, but, frankly, think about this, right? John, you know what I talk about? It. How easy is it? You put stuff on Instagram all the time. John and I are on Instagram and Twitter every day. I'm trying to keep up with John. He's a, the mad Twitter, right? It's easy. They can just put up something and say, look, here's what John put, or here's what Eric put, or Franklin, and here's the truth right next to it. But they can't. It would be so simple. I mean, it's out there for the public. They could just rebuttal this, but they can't because it's the truth. Like I said, thousands of ways to tell a lie, only one way to tell the truth. And you know what? You stood on moral principle. That's why when John and I saw saw the work that you were put into this, we said, you know what? That's a guy that we agree with because you remind us of ourselves. You got balls, and that's what you need. That's what you need when you when you're being part of a union. You have to be willing to stand up to management. You have to be stand be willing to stand up for what's not pop what's not popular, but it's in the best interest for the cops. And well, it's balls on that delegate body. I tell you that much. It's, it's very few balls on that delegate body. It's disgusting, actually. We know that. We know that. Listen, John and I were both on the job, right? It wasn't that long ago. We know that. And we were cops, too. And that's the one thing. Listen, they say, oh, why do you guys care? You guys were bosses? Because we were cops that led other cops. We care. We care about them right now. Why don't they care? You know, why not? Can you speak to that? I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I try to explain it to cops and, you know, oh, who cares? I, what do you mean? Who cares? This is, <laughs> this is your job. This is your benefits. You know, um, it's funny. Like there's a there's a trustee that's been bashing me on Instagram and he's been target. You know, he posts my picture and he he's trying to antagonize me. His name is uh, uh, Tommy Gilmore. <laughs> Tommy Gilmore is the, the Brooklyn North trustee. You know, he's actually posted on Instagram. He's polishing his fishing boat. Did he get his retro before we did? Or because you know, 
I'm sure he's debating whether they, they have enough money to buy a sandwich, and this guy's out here polishing his, his fishing boat. So clearly he got his retro, or or maybe the PBA got their stipends and they're already getting their money, but but you know what? The members aren't. And here you got a Brooklyn North trustee polishing his boat, getting ready to go on the put his boat in the water. It's a crying shame, you know, while the members are starving. Nah, and listen, everything, you know, I got to say, it's an honor to have you on here because that's an honor to be on Everything that you put out online, I don't know you personally, right? I don't know you from a hole in the wall, right? We were on the same job together. I don't know if we ever interacted with each other. Um, but everything I saw you posting online, uh, you know, me and Eric were talking about it. And I'm like, this kid's not full of shit, man. I'm like, this is coming from his heart. Like, because there were times, and I'm not even going to lie, there were times that something popped up and I was going to, and I was going to write about it. And it was already up there because you were putting it out there. You and Derek, you were putting it out there. Specifically, your account was like you were creating all this stuff. And I was like, I'm telling you, this kid is he's going through it and he's putting out what his from his heart and from his head. I'm like, and that's why I've been retweeting your stuff and sending it out on Instagram and stuff like that, because I I believe in my heart that you actually care about what you're saying and the stuff I see from the other side and I don't care about and 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 I wish they would attack me personally with the way they do you like with their name but they don't they come on with these with these fake accounts for me and Eric and it's it's but the stuff that they do do in their real name it's not genuine man it's not at all and so I I applaud you for that and if, if you could bring us to today and what's going on with you and what happened in your own words why, and what the PBA is telling you why you're not on this ballot? Well, you know, I, I, never, I never even got to mention, you know, that um, so me and Derek, uh, we, we teamed up because, I, you know, we actually met at, um, well, we met at the delegate meeting, but, but we also, when we really hit it off, we hit it off at one of Corey's fundraisers and we got to really serious talking and I, and I realized that me and Derek, we, we, we are like-minded and we wanted some of the same things and we, we both cared and we're both passionate about this. And, and as I told Derek, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna run for trustee. And he's like, well, I'm gonna run for financial secretary. And then that's when we realized, you know, maybe we need to work together and we need to come together because we both want some of the same things. We're like-minded, you know, he, he stood up against giving the money to the, to the um, leftist politicians that the PBA wanted. And I said, you know what? Let's work together. And um, so we both have been hitting these commands and stuff like that. We've been campaigning since, uh, I think, October last year. And, you know, we've, we've invested our personal money because you can't, you know, you don't have it. You know, this, is, this is how you, we never did a fundraiser. We never raised any money. You know, we were out there giving, you know, pens, stickers, you know, uh, flyers, anything we could. We, sometimes we would bring food to the commands, whatever we can afford at the time. We're taking it away from our households, but we're, we're you know, because we're passionate, but we want the cops to know that we're serious about this. You know, one thing that the, the other side hasn't done, they weren't providing any kind of food. You know, they had leftover pens from, from, some, from some four years ago. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden they did a fundraiser to, to give cops bottle, bottle openers and, and, and beer cups, beer mugs. I don't know. I don't know why you want to do that, but 
I'm not even going to get into that. They're not even worth mentioning. Um, so what happened was that uh, one of the biggest failures of the PBA was that they failed to inform the members of the procedures or the rules and the procedures on how to become, how to run for these executive positions in this upcoming election. So what they did was they put out an e the PBA put out an email on May 4th of 2023 explaining the rules and the procedures on how to run. So it said you needed to attend 10 meetings a year prior and you needed uh, and then the amount of sig and then you needed a certain amount of signatures for, for trustee for um, citywide trustee and so on and so forth. So for a trustee or a financial secretary you need 10 signatures within your bureau. So if, you, if you're running for the transit bureau, I would need 10 signatures. Derek Andrews needed 10 signatures. Now, um, if you're running for a citywide position, that that requires 20 signatures. And if you're running for like financial, uh, for treasurer or recording secretary, you need 20. And then president needs 25. So Corey needed, uh, Corey Graber needed 25 signatures. Now what happened was that, um, the, the PBA or the, the executive board was reaching out to the delegates and it started all the way back to the PBA convention back in um, August, end of August of 2022. They, at that, at that convention, they actually pulled um, members to, uh, to the side and, 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 and corralled them from their bureaus. And they told them, they threatened them. They said, if you, if you sign any petitions, you know, I'm going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to squash you or they're going to, you know, they're going to come after you. And they're going to crush you, you know, so they threatened that they threatened some of these delegates. And another thing they do is they bribe them, you know, they bribe them with alcohol or steaks and they take them out to dinner and they take them out, you know, to, for drinks and they lure them in with committee checks. It's nonsense. You understand what I'm saying? You're getting $300 extra for the year to sell your members out. Is that what, is that what is, is, is that what it's worth to you? I mean, just go, just go resign, resign as a delegate. Go back to your command. Go fucking go do a pay. Sorry, excuse my language, but go do a pay detail. Go do something else, you know, because this is a serious union, and like we're recognized all throughout the world. Forget about New York. We're like we're recognized throughout the world, and you're selling out the members for a three hundred dollar check or whatever it is for a beer for for a steak. You're pathetic. You're pathetic. And how can you look at yourself in the mirror? How could you how could you stand at a roll call and address your command knowing what you do, what you what you who you really are? I can stand with courage and I can stand with fortitude knowing of who I am and I'm positive in who I am. And um I think I, I demonstrate that. Um there's no hesitation. I, I am who I am, and this is this, you know, I'm not I'm not putting on a facade here. This is me. And so what happened with me was that I um I missed the meeting in um uh, in May 17 it was May 17th was the meeting of in 2022 that I missed that they're saying that I missed. So I missed one meeting, one meeting. That's all it's the only meeting I've ever missed. I missed one meeting. And um the reason why I missed the meeting was because the PBA decided to break the to uh, wrongfully um violate the bylaws. The bylaws um, section 12, uh, uh, sorry, article 12, section two states that the, the PBA meetings are supposed to be held on the second Tuesday of every month. And that particular meeting in May, in May 22 was moved to the 17th, precisely when I would be away out of the country. 
And I didn't receive the, 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 the letter of invitation to the meeting until the 13th, four days prior. I was already out of the country. And so what they did was that they brought it up at a, at a so they, they disqualified me. And they also gave me letters of signatures of people who pulled their signatures from my, from my petition. Now I had about 17 signatures. So I had more than enough. So um, two people that actually pulled their signatures, well, one of them wasn't even on my, one of them didn't even sign my petition, but she submitted a letter. Uh, her name, you know, I'll, I'll say it, you know, because listen, here's the thing, right? When you, once you become a delegate, you enter the political arena, right? Once you become a delegate, this is political work, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, speaking to the CEO or addressing cops, you know, you're a liaison, you're, you're, it's a political position, right? You have to run an election when the position comes up for election. So um, you have to campaign. Um, so here's the thing, like she signed a letter stating that she wanted to remove her, her signature. Her name is Yaneli Suarez from District 11, right? Now, Yaneli Suarez never signed my petition. So why did she write a letter saying she wanted to remove herself from my petition? That doesn't make sense to me. So someone told her, did you sign? I don't know what I signed. I signed a bunch of petitions. Well, here, here, here's a letter. Sign this just in case you did. We could remove it. Somebody must have coerced her, threatened her, offered her something, and she signed. Another, another person who signed was um, Diana Caraballo from District 3. And on her letter, it actually states that she was assigned to District 11 when she's really assigned to District 3. So at that point, I realized some, there's been tampering. Someone... These people are being contacted. And the worst part about it was that when I found out that the transit trustee was reaching out to people, calling the delegates to pull their signatures, I started going down my list and calling people because I wanted to confirm that I could count on their support and that they weren't pulling their signatures so that I didn't, there wasn't any surprises come nomination time. So I actually called and spoke to Diana Carabao and I said, listen, hey, um, you know, I heard Zuby was reaching out to people to pull their signatures. I just want to know if I can count on your support or if you want me to remove your signature. And she said, no, absolutely not. You know, he did reach out to me, but you can count on my support. And then the day of the nomination, here's this letter. So you backstab me. I don't understand. Like why, if you would have called me and gave me the respect, you know, and said, listen, hey, um, I'm having second thoughts, you know, um, I'm just, I'm, is it all right if I, if, I, if I pull my signature, you know, and I would have pulled it. I would have scratched the name out and it wouldn't have been a problem, right? Because I had enough signatures. I didn't really need it. But the fact that you, you, that you wrote that letter and then the letter was dated the day of the nominations and she wasn't at that meeting. So what, when did you submit this letter? First of all, Fr Franklin, you just gave some valuable, some fantastic information for people that are watching this right now that are not cops, again, highly educated about how the union works. For cops that are on the job probably 20 years that have no idea, they learn themselves. Honestly, myself, I'm learning from listening to you. There's a lot of information to unpack here. So I just want to tell the public, for our viewers out there, Franklin Valdez is running for New York City PBA Transit Trustee. And what that means, what he just said, is that he is required to get a certain amount of signatures from the union so that he can only, just to be nominated. What you're saying is this is not even to be elected. This is just so that you can be nominated to campaign to be elected. Right. So here we are, this potential fraud 
potential election tampering to impede you and create an obstacle just for you to get nominated to run for the campaign. And the other caveat you're talking about here is the attendance. So what I want to ask, what I'm curious about this. So you're talking about the meetings. So I was an SBA delegate. I was an LBA delegate, but I never had aspirations to move up in that case. I just enjoyed representing members. It was a, a smaller unions, not as big as the PBA, obviously when you're with the SBA and the LBA. But what's interesting to me is with these meetings, there was, I remember there was, you know, you, of course you had your meetings, but then you had functions. So what is considered a meeting? So if I just show up to a, a function, what is considered attendance? Is, is a function a meeting? Um, what exactly is the criteria for a meeting? Well, according to the bylaw, uh, uh, it has to be a regular meeting. So that regular, according to the definition of a regular meeting, it would be a monthly meeting, that monthly meeting. So now, even though like we had in, let's say, for example, April of 2023, we had two meetings uh, because th there was a news about the contract. The contract came down. So although there was two meetings in April, only one of them counted as the monthly meeting. The other one was like a specialty meeting because we had a contract because it was a um, because the contract came down. So we had to meet on that to vote on it. Um, but per se, for example, um, the PBA convention, right? Technically, you get um, three MEO 75 days. That's Mayor's Executive Order 75. Basically, it gives you um, uh, permission to, to, to be assigned from your command to, to this particular location. So you're excused from work. So it's not coming out of your personal days. It's coming out of um, a, a negotiation between the, the PBA and the, and the city where it's, it's not coming out of your time. And, and my, you following? So, so these MEO 75 days... You get three of them during the convention. That's going to be, it was like this, this last year, 2022 was, um, it was um, August, August 31st, September 1st and September 2nd. So the, technically, although I was upstate at the convention for three days, they only want to make it count as one meeting when essentially, but, it, but I was, even though I was up there three days and it's considered three meetings because it's for the month of August, September and July, I mean, July, August and September, that's three meetings, but their their argument is no. It's only one meeting. It's only one meeting. We only had one meeting. I know, but but I get three days off, and it's for three months, right? It's, and you get checks for three for worth of three months, right? Three months worth of checks because you get one check per month, right? As a delegate, but you give me three months and at the convention, you give me three checks, and you give me three meo seventy fives. Technically, it's three months. It's three meetings, but they want to make it sound like it's only one. But anyway, so they, they're saying, so I missed that one meeting and that would have gave me the 10 meetings with that month, that, that May that I missed. Now, um, the problem is that, like I said, they violated the bylaws. They wrongfully changed the date from May, it should have been May 10th, but, they, but it was changed to May 17th. Exactly when I'd be on vacation. How did they know that? And so, when, um, so what happened was that they disqualified me. Actually, I got a call from Dave Nicholson, the who's the health and welfare attorney. Now I don't know what what his what his involvement is with this election, but I you know I found it strange that why is he calling me? So he I guess he was overseeing the Tellers Committee. The Tellers Committee is the committee that um, it's composed of delegates from throughout the borough. It's like twenty two delegates, two from each bureau, and they vote on the um, uh, they they go over the um, the candidates and see if they if they qualify and then they vote. 
they vote on on who's eligible to um to continue. So now they, they disqualified me for for missing one meeting. And it's a closed room. What happened? This vote is in a closed room. I'm sure. Oh, yeah, and then he and 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 there's problems with that situation as well because some of those delegates um, posed on the on the Instagram with with Team Hendry T-shirts. So you know they were at some of them were at fundraisers at this some of these uh, Team Hendry fundraisers, and then some of them are alternates. So technically, they they're not even allowed to vote. Some of them are alternates, so they're not even allowed to vote. So how are you in a committee when technically you're an alternate? You're not even allowed to vote. There's a lot of discrepancies. There's a lot of problems, and and then now you have uh, Dave Nicholson, who's the health and welfare attorney, run who's over over overseeing this. How is this not a conflict of interest? How is this not a bias? Right? When Dave Nicholson and and and, and I'll, I'll give some you know the, the viewers some information on Dave Nicholson. Dave Nicholson um, testified during the Bronx ticket scandal against cops and received immunity for it. And I try to bring it. So, so they granted me a, a an appeal, and I and I actually went to the PDA office, and they they um, Julio got uh, uh, disqualified as well, but he got disqualified for lack of signatures because, um, like I said, that girl Yanelli Suarez pulled her signature from his petition, and um, so they try to say that he didn't have enough signatures, that he he was missing one. And um, of course, when you reach out to the delegates and you pressure them or you, you, you coerce them or you threaten them or offer them something in order to exchange, you know, I don't know where in the bylaws does it say that someone's able to pull their signature. Once you sign something, you sign an affidavit, you can't pull your signature. That doesn't work like that. I don't know in what political arena you could you could submit a vote or you could because essentially it's not a vote. It's just allowing the members to have a choice, right? Did I agree with the contract? Absolutely not. I didn't agree with it. I wasn't 100% in agreement with it, but I didn't feel that I could decide that. So I voted yes to send it to the members because I shouldn't be able to pick that, make that choice for the members. The members should decide for themselves, right? So I voted yes to send it to the members to let them have the, right? And then it got approved overwhelmingly. Because it was done properly, but this this whole um, you know uh, I'm not signing a petition because then that means I swear an allegiance. No, you signing a petition just means that you're okay with me run running, right? Now you don't have to vote for me. That's not a vote, right? But they try to explain it to the delegates. Well, if if you sign their petition, that means you're with them. You're my enemy. You know, and they're going to what they do is they, they target these delegates and they, they try to run special elections in their commands to um, to remove them or or, you know, whether they go to the CEOs and maybe tell the CEO, hey, listen, that's my enemy. I don't know what they do, but they make it uncomfortable for those for those uh, those delegates. And I'm sure some of those delegates that sign my petition are probably going to be targeted down the line, you know, because um, they're free thinkers or because, you know, they, they actually wanted to allow their members to have a choice, to have a vote, to be able to vote, to have a candidate. But they denied that. They denied me. They denied Julio that chance. Um, they they basically eliminated all the candidates because Corey couldn't get enough signatures, right? So he couldn't even get nominated because he didn't have enough signatures. They blocked candidates. 
And I think they saw me as a potential, maybe future president, and they saw me as a potential can a future candidate, and they needed to block me early on. You know, they had to stop me as an unborn. You know, as a, don't even allow me a chance to become a trustee to then maybe aspire something different. You know, something even higher. And they needed to stop me early on, and this is how they did it. They found out when I was on vacation, and so at my um my appeal hearing, they actually presented some evidence against me. You know, they said um. They said the um, they had a sworn statement from my co-delegate from at Transit District 20, Arturo Lanuza, wrote a statement stating that he texted me that he picked up my check for me and that I told them, and then I texted him back to leave it in the PBA locker. So he had a sworn statement plus a text conversation um, giving me up, basically saying that I, I wasn't at that meeting. Then they also uh, acquired uh, screenshots of like department computers you know, with my, my CPR, with my 28 information saying that I, was, I, I wasn't I was in the command or whatever, that I had submitted a 28 for that time period, you know, and they were trying to use this against me. And I, and I said to Dave Nicholson, I said, you know, you're violating department guidelines. Is, is, are, you, are you trying to use this illegally obtained information against me? And because that's something you need to, um, that's a different situation now, if you're trying to use this against me. And they, they gave me a letter saying that it was submitted by, you know, the, the trust, the current trustee, Zubi Zaretta. So he's the one who actually submitted this to the PBA. So that's something that's up, up, up for question as well. You know, what was this information that they obtained? They, they obtained it properly, you know, because you want to use the bylaws against me. You want to say that I'm that I missed the, the meeting, but you're not holding yourself up to the bylaws. You know, they violated the bylaws. They did not holding the meetings on the second Tuesday as per the bylaws. It's clear. It's, it's in black and white. It says, and here's what it says. It says the meetings are supposed to be held on the second Tuesday of the month. Barring this, obviously, if there's an exigency, it says that the president may change the time and place, but not the date. It says time and place, right? Now, if you, you guys have, have seen 161s, right? There's different captions, right? There's a caption for the time, a caption for the date, and a caption for the place, right? You just don't put time, and, and, and in the same time, you know, it, the date and everything is in one box. No, separate boxes, right? So just like the bylaws, it should have been separate, right? And 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 it, they the um the attorney Dave Nicholson was trying to say that oh um you know it, it, it's it's ambiguous and it's up to the interpretation of the president and it's and it's actually not. You know the bylaws are there to protect the members from a monarchy. The the bylaws are there to protect the members, not not for the pres president's interpretation. And I had a problem with that. And um, and I stated a strong case. I, I made my point and you know, I made my case to the to the TELUS committee. But I can clearly see that it was it was biased. You know, so these some of these guys were the same ones holding up the Team Hendry posters on the on Team Hendry Instagram. You know what I mean? Like, how how can you honestly say that you're unbiased and that you're willing to hear me out when just two days ago you, you were wearing a T-shirt and holding up a poster? It's nonsense. You denied, you denied, you, but you didn't just cheat me from an election. You cheated the membership because that's what you did. You cheated the membership from having an option. But what is it? What are they so scared of? What are you, you scared of losing? They were going to lose by a landslide and they know it. They know it. So that's the only way that they could have won this election is by not having one. They, they, they made the decision of who the candidates were going to be. And, and they, so I don't even like to call them, you know, the people that are that are going to be representing this union are the, the they they're going to be representing the union by default, 
So that's what I'm going to call them, the default president, the default uh, vice president, because that's how they got their positions, by default, by technicality. They don't deserve those positions, and they didn't earn those positions. It's tyrannical, dude. Honestly, forget this. This goes beyond election tampering. Really does goes beyond it. Like every every little thing that you labeled out there, and and I'm not going to repeat it all because it was so much and so in depth. But every scenario that you said there, it was tampering, 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 all the way up until you get to the oversight of the whole election. And the oversight of the whole election is completely biased. And like you said, there they have an attorney there that's the health and welfare attorney who's also biased who's also interpreting it to keep the monarchy in. This is a tyrannical government. This is things that we've seen in Cuba. This is what we see in Russia. This is what we see in all of these countries where, oh, the president overwhelmingly wins every time unanimously unopposed. 100% they, they are default, right? And, 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 you know, I'm glad that Derek was able to get through but you and Julio should also be on that ballot. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I put my full support behind Derek. You know, I, that's the only real election that we have going on right now. And um, so, so transit members need to understand they, were, they weren't given a choice. You understand what I'm saying? They were, these people were selected, right? The only option they have that's outside of this monarchy is Derek Andrews. He's the only real candidate. Everything else was chosen. You know, um, from what I from what I've been hearing from from the transit cops is that you know, and and McPhee hasn't even um, really spoken. They never really gave him a chance to even uh, present a platform or present a, a real plan for the members. Uh, no real plan. So they've been going with him to all these transit commands. Basically, it's intimidating, right? They all walk in. It's a whole team. Versus sometimes I've I've hit roll call by myself. You know, Derek hit roll calls by himself. Or sometimes, you know, it was just us two. Now, all of a sudden, I noticed recently that Derek is, um, so, sorry, um, McPhee is going on by himself, right? All of a sudden. But what happened to the team? They realized they're getting beat up in transit. Nobody wants to see them. Everybody, I think the cops, the cops are more aware, right? Because, you know, when I first came on, like, cops weren't aware because you didn't have social media. And uh, so there was kind of like a lack of information. Uh, so you you weren't aware of what's going on. Everything was a big secret, and and that's it was intentionally done that way. It's by it's by design. But now with so with social media, everything's made public, and you could get the information. You know, I'm I'm posting a lot of the information on my Instagram, and cops are loving it. You know, they're like, "Wow, that's crazy!" You're exposing them. You know, that's it's it takes courage, but I know that at the same time, I'm just doing the, I'm doing it for the members. I'm not here to bash the union. I'm here because. The only way we can make it better is by actually admitting where we, where we make mistakes, where we're wrong and where we're failing. And then this is how we address it. We have to own it. You know, Franklin, you said something earlier that I think is so important that we have to point out. You said you were out there hustling to get the message out to help the cops with no money. You, you bought some pens with, with, the, with the little funding that you had. And that goes out to what John and I have been saying. It's the same thing on this podcast. We've been doing this with no funding. We're not making any money. We're not putting out any money to do this. It's just work. And that's the power of social media. And that's why we, we said 
Why didn't the union use the power of social media to address this forced vaccine? Why did they use the power of social media to address this overzealous CCRB? Why did they use the power of social media to address the discipline matrix? Why did they use the power of the media to get a contract that beats inflation? Why did they do all these things? Why? Because they exactly what you said. What they do in the dark will come out in the light. Everything they've been doing is behind closed doors. And I will say this. what make Everything that you're saying is great. Again, we have to unpack all the stuff. When we go back and we actually watch this podcast, you gave up some really great points. You gave up a lot of information. I think our viewers are going to have to watch this more than once because you gave out a lot of stuff. There's a lot to unpack here. But in a 24-year career that Pat Lynch had as a PBA president, and elections come up every four years, what, what immediately what I think to myself, and I know John's thinking the same thing, and so are you, is how many elections have went in this process where they went unopposed and where people were pushed out and forced out like yourselves, like you and Derek, uh, especially you and Julio now who, who are disqualified, but how many elections that went on like this and they didn't have the power of social media and they didn't have the balls that you have to stand up. I tell you what, and I say this, honestly, this comes from the heart. Whether you win or not, you are a winner. You are going to create real change with the PBA going forward, and you got us to back you up. We're going to continue to back you up. Someone has to speak out right now. It's going to change forever. And I'm confident, John and I said it earlier, you will be the PBA president one day. I'm sure of it. When you come back on this podcast in a couple of years, and for the naysayers out there, they will see, we'll, right? We'll be bigger than before. You will come on. We'll say, hey, congratulations, Franklin. You are the PBA president. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Comes to fruition. Um, but it's going to take a lot of work, and uh, it's going to take a legal battle because we, it's, it's an uphill battle. But I think I think we can. I think if a judge hears this this whole situation, they're going to agree that there was some wrongdoing here, and that the uh, president actually violated the bylaws, and the PBA has been violating the bylaws for some time now, and that you know they haven't been acting on on the members' behalf. And um, one of the first things I'd like to that I think is important to get done. Um, once I would take office is, is, is a, you know, get a forensic accountant in there to, to do a forensic audit because I, I want to know where the money's been going. And, and, you know, you see it, it happened with the SBA union. It happened with the state troopers union. And um, we got to follow the money. We got to figure out where the finances has been going. You know, how is it that a nonprofit organization is worth $80 million and is standing up there bragging about it? Why is the, you know, the vice president of the union, you know, calling himself the um, the Joe Pesci of the PBA? You know, what, what, what do they think? This is a mafia? You know, what? You I know, don't know. I, was, I watched all those mob movies. I watched all those mob movies. And I never seen Joe Pesci talk tale, sell out his members, retire, and then come back. You know, like... Joe Pesci was, uh, he's definitely not the Joe. He's more like the Henry Hill of, of uh, the PBA. So that's what he is. He, he was the one that, he was the one that testified against for the dirty shit that he was doing, testified against his own members, retired and came back when the coast was clear. So he's definitely, and for, for somebody to be saying that and, and, and the same way that they attack you, it's, it, it, it's awful, but I, I know exactly why they do it, dude. Cause again, this is the first time we're like, even though it's over the thing, this is the first time I face to face. 100% dude, you're presidential, 100% you're talking from the heart. I know the rank and file in the PBA supporting you. 
I know that the guys that are silent, that were clapping uh, against you, that were clapping when they're talking shit about us, I know right now they're listening and they're like, this guy's the real deal and you should be up there. So I want to ask you, you're the PBA president. What's the first thing you're doing? Like I said, I want to do a forensic audit. That's one of the things I want to get a forensic accountant to get go in there and, and crunch the numbers and figure out who's stealing and who's getting carried out in bracelets. That's that's. <laughs> I don't feel any, I don't feel bad for anybody. If you're stealing, then there's a, there's a, some nice bracelets that are that are waiting for you. Um, that's definitely one of the first things I'd like to get done. I, um, address the, the you know the stealing because I'm sure there has been 24 years and don't tell me you never put your hand in the cookie jar. You know, these guys are living lavish. Um, they're probably millionaires, some of them. Um, I want to know where, where, where the money's been going and why the union has, has not, why the membership hasn't been represented. You know, why has CCRB grown in power, right? Is it that these attorneys are on salary and so they don't feel they need to put the work in? Then get the hell, get, get rid of them. We could, we could hire young attorneys that are hungry, that, that want to that wanna make a difference, that want to fight. Because these guys, obviously, they lost the fight. They don't have any fight left in them. They just want their money and, and, and their cushy positions. And then so we need to revamp the attorneys and we need to go after that CCRB. Um, and we need to go after that. We need to change the discipline matrix. And uh, it's just those are the things right now, because obviously we're, we're, we're within a contract. So we're fine until 2020 after 2025. And then we can talk about contract then. Uh, well, not then, but I mean, closer to that date, that's. Listen, we got we got we got something to hold us for a while. Let's focus on the quality of life. Let's focus on the discipline matrix. Let's fo focus on fighting CCRB and putting up you know legal battles and and defending our cops because look you know you you got um, cops are being um, look at Sal Greco. I don't know if you're familiar. You guys have mentioned it before. You know, associating with with a known uh, uh, known or criminal or potential likely to commit a crime. Uh, Roger Stone, like, are you kidding me? The guy, the guy was found innocent, right? And why is he still, he, he still got fired. You know, how many MOS, uh, how many cops, right, got fired for, for some petty stuff like that because the PBA didn't want to, it, it was a black eye or something, or it, it didn't, it wasn't going to look good. You know, we got to get, get away from that. Oh, it doesn't look good. You know, it's not a good look for us. And we got to start fighting for our membership. And, and, and if we can't, um, if we don't have the attorneys, then we need to seek those attorneys. You know, whether it's finding Jim Ramirez, who, who, who won the, the vaccine mandate, you know, maybe that's something to look into. There's other attorneys out here that are willing to put up a fight. And those are the ones we need to hire. And we need to get rid of these, these um, attorneys like Dave Nicholson, who testified against cops. We don't need people like that. Just like we don't need to be giving our money to leftist, uh, leftist politicians who, who, create diaphragm laws that make our job harder, who, who refuse to repeal the, um, the bail reform that's putting these criminals, you know. So, so cops are out here risking their pension, risking their freedom, risking their livelihoods, locking people up so that the, the, the ADAs could throw, you know, throw them back onto the, into the street the next day. You know what I mean? The ink isn't even dry and these guys are walking free. But this, you know, now the cop is getting a hit because he didn't, he, he, whether it was an improper, about, you know, nonsense from the discipline matrix and the cop is getting a bigger hit than the perp that just committed a crime. I mean, that's, it needs to be addressed. And, and, it, and it starts with uh, getting the real attorneys. I'll tell you what, frankly, this validates what we uh, suspected all along. I mean, it's unfortunate, but we talked about 
the first podcast when when John actually interviewed myself before we teamed up doing this podcast, I said, I, I'm pretty confident. I'm sure that all these unions have some dirt on them. And the fact that you want to get a forensic accountant solidifies what I ask myself all the time. I always question how good, how lucrative must it be to be part of this PBA board, to be an executive and incumbent, to be a trustee, that they would go through such great lengths to create such obstacles, impede potential nominations, not even an actual election process, but to impede the nominations. How good must it must it be and lucrative that they don't want anyone to pen penetrate it, that they want to stay in power until they age out, that they stay there forever. It must be phenomenal. I mean, when we think about Team Hendry, I was on the job. I got on January 2004. I never knew who Team uh, who Pat Hendry is. I never saw the guy in my entire career. And all of a sudden, it's like these guys are like sewer rats. They came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, they go on roll calls and saying, vote vote for these guys. And and what, what pains me is the cops themselves, why don't they say, who are you? I've never seen you. And and now you've got a fresh new bottle opener, and you want me to vote for you? But who, who are you? I think, and I'm going to say it now, John, if you're with me, I say right now the whole election should be boycotted, and the only people that should be nominated is Derek, you, and Julio. Other than that, it's completely, it should just be empty ballots. How could they go unopposed? This obviously has, no one, listen, no one commits a burglary the first time he gets arrested, right? This has been going on since Pat Lynch has been in office. I'm sure of it. We need to, this election, right now I'm telling the cops, you should not be filling this out. You should be filling out for Derek, Julio, and Franklin here. And that's it. Everything else is completely unopposed. And who's telling you to vote for these guys? The union. Who is the union? The one that's running unopposed right now. Ask yourself that. And I, I just want to say, if you get a ballot and Hendry and all these guys that are running opposed on it, why would you check the box for them? They're not running against anything. They won. They shouldn't be on the ballot. And if they are, that's further tampering. Because they're not running on an election. That's another, that's just one other piece of tampering. The only people currently that should be on, on right now, they disqualified Franklin, they disqualified Hulip. The only ballot that should come out right now is for the transit financial trustee. Right, Derek. Derek. And, and that's it. on it. Derek and, and who he's running against. And, that and, is and here's the thing. They didn't even allow him to, to choose or, or review the, the how the ballot's gonna look so he had no input they left them out of the how the ballot's gonna look how his name is gonna appear on the ballot whether he needed <laughs> he wanted to name him give himself a team name which which you know it's it's time to restore the power back to transit you know they didn't they didn't give him that option they took that away from him they denied him a team name because oh you're by yourself you don't have a team for the tampering that's what that is. They just keep tampering. And, and until the cops wake up and, and, and throw them all out, nothing's going to change. So I'm saying right now, this whole election needs oversight for all of you bosses that listen, for all of the media that listens, for all the politicians that listen. This election needs oversight. Franklin Valdez needs to be put back on that ballot, along with Julio. There's a lot of questions that need answered. There's a lot, a lot of questions that need answering because I'm telling you right now, I'm furious listening to this because it, it's absolutely disgusting. Because like you said, we are and have been the premier law enforcement agency 
in the country for a very long time. And this is a black mark and this is a black eye and this is a stain. And to all the cops that are listening right now and even the civilians, I want you guys to Google schoolcraft, police officer schoolcraft. And I want you to listen to the, the tapes that came out from him. And then I want you to ask yourself, who was in charge of the PBA at the time? And what did they do for schoolcraft? Because I'm going to tell you right now, when I heard those tapes, I was actually disgusted about the job that I worked for. I was disgusted about what happened to that kid, you know, and they were nowhere for that kid. They were nowhere. And how a union didn't stand up for him is beyond me. People didn't even know about it until he went to an independent newspaper and released all the tapes and all the things that had happened to him. And again, they were nowhere and, and stuff like that cannot and should not happen because all we're doing is we're allowing our own members to be eaten and you're just sitting back and being silent and not saying anything, hoping that you make it through. That's not the way we don't do anything wrong. 99.9% .9 of everybody on this job is doing it for the right reasons. We need to stand up for our members. And, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what union you're part of, you know. At the end of the day, you know, they divide us by union, oh, by rank. But at the end of the day, we're all cops. And, you know, that's what we need to remember. We're all on the same side. You know, when, when that 85, when that 13 comes over, we're all the same. We're all running the same direction. Absolutely. Frankly, I, I made that as, as a point in my career that we're cops first. We're all cops even even if you're a chief, you should see yourself as a cop. And that's I used to mimic that idea that I got from the Marine Corps. That's that's something that I found so fascinating about the Marine Corps was that if you were a private to a general, you know what used to what a general wanted to be called in the Marines? Marine. They were a general wanted to be called Marine. But in the NYPD, a chief doesn't want to be called a cop. They want to be called chief. Pat Lynch doesn't want to be referred to as just a cop. He wants to be the PBA president, but I like what you said. We're all cops. We should be cop first, and whatever else, whatever else your build is, your position, that should be secondary. First, you're a cop. Second, you're a leader. Second, you're a chief. Second, you're PBA president. But that's ultimately the most important thing. I think all the information that you you gave here today, you provided, is fantastic. There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot of information. Very valuable information about what's going on in the union. And what John said before, John, that was fantastic what you just said. I agree. It's despicable hearing this. And I say to myself, I, I got this pit in my stomach. I can't believe that I was on this job. It's embarrassing to hear. But I, I do hope that there could be a shift and we could bring this back to something that we could be proud of. Something that we could say, you know what? I'm proud to have that patch. I'm, you know what? But I tell you what, I never met you personally. We spoke a bit on the phone. I'm proud to know you, and it's nice to see that there's still some guys out there like you. You are a complete outlier. Um, you know, it, it, it makes it all worth it that John and I are continue to do this, honestly, because sometimes we really get some false hope, and there's cops out there that just, no matter what, they just, they're just, they're short-minded, they're short-sighted by this money, by the contract, and, and they really don't know what's going on. They're not reading between the lines and looking below the surface, so Franklin, you, you really provide an outstanding interview, and, and I'm highly impressed with you. And, and, and if John agrees, you know, I, I'd like uh, John to close us out and then give you the last words. I appreciate it. Yeah, no. So, Franklin, if you could just, uh, you know, what, what, what's your, you know, 
What do you want to give to the members? What do you want to tell everybody that's listening, not even just the members? What do you want to tell the world? Well, I want to tell the cops out there to hold your, hold your delegates accountable. Make sure that they're representing you. Make sure that they're, they're voting on your behalf. Any decisions that are being made are, are being done with your consensus. And, and, and keep yourself informed because the union's making decisions and not, not only going to affect you, but are going to affect those, those that come on after you, whether it's your children, whether it's your family members, whether it's your friends, your neighbor, whoever. They're going to be coming on this job and decisions that are being made by this union are going to affect them and they're going to affect you as well. You know, they're going to make decisions against your health care that are going to affect you in the future. Just remember who you leave in office now is going to make those decisions that are going to affect you down the road. So you need to keep that in mind. And it starts even at the delegate level. You have to hold your delegate accountable and they and, and make sure that they're doing the job that, that is in your benefit. And they're not denying you the choice. And as, as for transit cops, I want all the transit cops. If you if you if you have a, if you agree with me and you agree with John and Eric, and you realize that this election has been tampered with and this is a this is a sham, then 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 boycott the election. And if you're gonna vote, I, I say put your vote behind Derek Andrews. He's the only real candidate, and and it takes a lot of courage. You know, he's the last one left. You know, I hate to say it, but he's the only one left now. Um, I, I hope that me and Julio can come back. It might take some time. You know, it take it might take a legal battle, but we hope to come back and uh, we hope to join Eric at the at the top. I'm um, sorry, Derek. I apologize, Eric. Hey, no, outstanding, outstanding. Top and uh, hundred percent support Derek and I, I wish him the best and uh, I'm gonna be here with him and, uh, and we're not gonna stop campaigning we're not gonna I'm, we're not gonna stop campaigning um we're gonna join him in this campaign even though we're not candidates even though we've been disqualified we're gonna continue to go out there and spread the word because the members deserve it outstanding brother you heard it here Franklin Valdez right now candidate for New York City PBA transit trustee along with Derek Andrews and of course Julio running for citywide tra trustee uh, John, thank you for taking this journey with me. You heard it here today. New York's finest retired unfiltered podcast. Franklin, thank you for coming on. I think you gave a great interview. And uh, John, you gave some great points on that last one. That was really fantastic. Guys, thank you. Make sure you listen up. Thank you. And, and guys, you know, I just want to say just, and I want to say to you, Franklin, that it's sometimes I wonder why I even give a shit and why I, I, I've, I've had guys asking. But I'm, I'm just telling you right now, you reinvigorated me because it's good to hear because I, I honestly believe that people with good hearts and, and good minds need to come together in the truth, even when it's hard, even when it's uncomfortable. So I feel reinvigorated. I want to thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to thank the great and powerful Franklin Valdez. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me.